0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: The following program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. You may have noticed that one Whole Foods Market store is not like the other. We're proud that each of our stores has its own quirks, a direct connection to the surrounding community, and buys and sells their own products. Whether it's artisanal chocolates exclusive to Bowery, small batch pickles in Chelsea, or a featured craft beer on tap at West 97th, you'll find that each store is a little bit different than the next. With six Manhattan locations, Whole Foods Market offers a taste of every neighborhood. Come see us in Tribeca, Bowery, Union Square, Chelsea, Columbus Circle, or the Upper West Side. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. For more information, visit www.wholefoodsmarket.com.
2: Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues Coming to you live every Tuesday on the Heritage Radio Network uh, From the back of Roberta's Pizzeria in Brooklyn Here today with Anastasia de Hammer Lopez We might be joined later by Brooks Headley, pastry chef at Del Posto One of our favorite restaurants Calling all of your questions to... 497... 497- what? Oh,
3: wait. 718-497-2128 That's... 718-497-2128
2: because for some reason, it is impossible for me to commit this number to memory, no matter how many times I've said it, and I usually have a little slip of paper in front of me that tells me what the number is, uh, and today I don't have it, so Nastasha's going to have to, to say it. it. Do you have any blocks like that, Nastasha, things you just can't remember for one reason or another? No. Nothing? <laughs> Nothing? Nothing. Nothing? All right. So, uh, this is, uh, I guess this is our Cinco de Mayo edition, even though it's, uh, it's not. What day is it? Third? Today? Third, yeah. Third? Anyway, so, but uh, today, Nastasha and I are going to be at the Lucky Rice Festival. I think you can still get tickets, right? I think Although so. they're expensive. What they're are they? Only fifty dollars. Oh, it's fifty night. bucks. Mm-hmm. Fifty dollars for night. So you can come by, and we're going to make some. Uh, we're taking strawberries, uh, blending them. Actually, uh, our intern Cliff is doing it right now, <laughs> back at the lab, so called, in the back of the milk bar commissary. Uh, we're gonna blend strawberries and uh, tequila. Uh, I think we have a uh, we have a reposado, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're uh, blending that um, together, uh, putting it through a centrifuge with some enzymes. We get crystal clear strawberry uh, tequila. We're just gonna squeeze uh, some lime into it. And uh, stir it with some ice. And I haven't figured out what the garnish is. Have we figured out the garnish on that one yet? No, not that one. No? Mm -mm. No. Uh, But it's called mummy juice. uh, And the reason it's called mummy juice is because strawberries are grown in Mexico. Grown? (laughs) Strawberries are grown in Mexico, in Guanajuato. And that's also where they have the mummies. So because it's strawberries and Mexican, it's mummies. So uh, we're doing mummy juice today. And we're also going to take some uh, Bombay Sapphire Gin, uh, blend it with bananas, spin it for uh, another version of our Gin Hustino drink we, we like very much. Gin Hustino. Hustino means blending with bananas and spinning in a centerpiece with enzymes. Don't ask why. Uh, and that one we're going to serve probably with uh, ginger, right? Yeah. But they only gave us 12 bottles of each. So uh, Nastasha and I are going to pour tall, kick fast, and then join the party as uh, as party people instead of as uh, dorks behind the, behind the counter. True or false? True. True, right? Okay. Um... So that order of business is out. Uh, We have a question in from... Scott Hansma. Uh, Hansma has a uh, uh, some comments on what he thinks the name of our new company yeah. should be. And he says he likes the idea that if Escoffier wrote today, uh, he would have, in addition to the uh, roast Station and the Fish Station, a kind of rotovap, centrifuge, uh, cool stuff station, so that we should call the equipment company something like Future Station or 8th Station or uh, brigade, uh, brigade Technologique, if you wanted to be fancy in French. Well, actually, I kind of like some of these suggestions. Uh, I like a kitchen brigade. sounds pretty... Sounds pretty badass, mm-hmm. I think. Kitchen Brigade? Sounds pretty badass. Of course, if Escoffier was writing today, he would write in English, boom, boom, but, uh, but uh, that's just me. So the, uh, but, uh, and I like these, and, and I think we might actually maybe use one of those things for a line of kitchen equipment, but I think, pending the approval of our partners in this, Stas, uh, I'm thinking that we're going to go with, Ready? Booker and Dax. These are the names of my two kids, right? So Booker sounds like, you know, kind of like an old dude, even though he's only 10, 9, rather. He, you know, he sounds like an old dude who's kind of smart and knows what's up. That's also true. And Dax is the kind of guy that's like, you know, you don't want to mess with him. Like, this equipment's not going to break. Who said so? Dax. Dax said so. <laughs> Dax said. Anyway, so I think Booker and Dax, uh, which, you know, name, name of my two kids together, sounds like an old school company. What do you think, Stas?
3: Yeah, no, I said I liked
2: it. You like it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Booker Index. But I like this. uh, I like Kitchen Brigade as a line of tools, or Brigade Kitchen Brigade. Yeah, Yeah. you know who would come up with that? Booker Index. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. Anyway, so I'll run that. We'll run that past, and we might have an announcement on that within the week, maybe. Right. Once are the lawyers almost done talking? Yeah. Anyway, uh thank you Scott for those uh for those questions. Now, Richard uh Kokovich called in, uh, wrote in and said he ordered the Koava disk for his AeroPress after mentioning it in his previous email. We spoke about it on a uh, on an earlier thing. It's basically a a fine mesh filter that fits into the AeroPress which is the cheap kind of like a uh, piston-based uh, coffee maker that we've been talking about, says that he likes it uh, very much. So that's good. Uh, and then he uh, mentioned, because we were talking about the Thermomix last week, someone brought a Braun Thermomix, which is a, uh, an old uh, immersion circulator. He wants to know about the Thermomix proper. Uh, the Thermomix proper... Um, he said he's been interested in the device. It looks like they're no longer distributed in the U.S., though there's a Canadian distributor who allegedly shipped to the U.S., so there's not much in the way of reviews. Um, and, he, and he sees that most reviews that are written are not by the type of people who would heat uh, silicon carbide bricks in, in the microwave for steering. That would be us. That would be us. That'd be us. Uh, have we ever had the opportunity to put a Thermomix through its paces um, and, you know – It's yes, I have. We don't have one anymore because it got stolen. So, what the Thermomix is for those of you that don't know, it is a blender with like a little, almost like a food processor blade. Um, But the bowl is also a scale, which is useful. Um, it's useful. It's not a very accurate scale, but it's pretty useful. And also a heating device, so it uh, it can heat while it blends, uh, which is useful for certain things like uh, in hydrocolloids. Like if you're going to do gelan, you can heat and stir at the same time, agitate, and keep it hot, so you don't have to worry about it, uh, you know, gelling up on you as it cools down. So yes, it's useful for that. It's useful for making certain kinds of hot foams. It makes an awesome kind of cheese sauce because it keeps stirring it when it doesn't burn while it's cooking. So it's great. Uh, it's good to weigh things out. It's not the world's greatest blender, but it is really cool. But it's very, very, very expensive. It costs in the U.S. roughly what two Vitapreps would cost, okay? Okay. Um, i don't think it's worth two vita preps i would rather have two like like unless you're at home i would rather have two vita preps in my kitchen than one thermomix now all of the european uh chefs they love the thermomix because in europe the thermomix is um it's it's around it's like it's like consumers use it like they would use a kitchenaid or or anything else i think it probably is a little bit cheaper in europe where conversely vita preps are very expensive which are the high power blenders that we all use are very expensive over there so there's very few vitapreps in europe and very many thermal mixes. the exact uh, opposite of here uh vitaprep kicks the crap out of the thermomix as a blender but there is other there are other things that uh the thermomix can do we're actually uh brooks just showed up so he's gonna i'm gonna pass do you guys have any thermal, you know the thermal mixes. you ever uh, play around with them uh,
3: no, actually, we don't have one. Um, I'm terrified of them.
2: Really? <laughs> saying, that's funny. But they, you know, they, they like a lot of the stuff that they serve at the Thermomix, that they sell with it is is like hoo ha. It's nonsense. Like you don't need the steaming basket because you can just steam with it. I don't know anyone. Like, even if you're a pro, I mean, are you really going to, like, time everything right so that the stuff that's stirring in the underneath is done at the exact same time that your broccoli is steamed right? I mean, it doesn't make so much sense to me. But if you have $700 in your pocket and it's burning a hole in your pocket uh, and you don't already own a, a Vitaprep or a good blender and you're looking for something that's pretty interesting that a lot of people in Europe like a lot, the Thermomix, See, it's good, right? I mean, it's okay. No, no. I'm, I'm, yeah, I never, I'm
3: completely fascinated by them. I, yeah. just, I just –
2: but again, I would rather take that seven hundred bucks and buy two Vita Preps with it, because um, you can't ever have enough <coughs> Vita Preps. Um, okay, so uh, any uh, any any. So by the way, for those of you that don't know, Brooks Brooks is uh, the well, the pastry chef. But is there like a title that goes above pastry chef at Del Posto? No,
3: no, just uh, I mean. Technically, it's executive pastry executive chef. Executive pastry—that's what I was looking I'm, for. I'm not very much of an executive, so no, no. Uh, pastry chef is fine.
2: Right just at guy that makes desserts. Guy, yeah, to- right. Totally cool. Dessert guy. dude at Del Posto. Del Posto, one of our favorite restaurants uh, in Manhattan. It's uh, the only um, Italian restaurant that has four stars. True. True. Yeah. 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 The only Italian restaurant that has uh, four stars. Our uh, our good friend uh, Mark Ladner is the is the chef there, and it's a it's a, a great meal. I think one of the interesting things about Brooks' work, I'm going to put him on the spot because I didn't say I was going to do this, is, is that even though um, y- you know a lot of the dishes um, have traditional basis to them at Del Posto, even though they're not necessarily 100% traditional. I think that it's some of the, like, most interesting, freshest desserts out there that Brooks is putting out. I think – what do you think, Nastasha? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, not that they're – the flavors aren't wacky. It's not about being wacky, but I think just, like, very literally fresh presentations, uh, interesting using uh, flavors that aren't necessarily – uh crazy but i think just you know pretty interesting stuff uh but for some reason the guys at del posto don't like being thought of as, as innovative comments
3: no, I, no, no.
2: <laughs> wow yeah um
3: no it's oh, just it's man, it, like we're I, I don't know i just i consider myself like like a like a grandma so wow and like in terms of like the style of the food or the way that i cook it or whatever like um and I, I definitely think of it as cooking. Like, a lot of pastry chefs think of... They're, like, bakers or whatever. Like, I'm I'm a cook, so... Right. Uh, right. But, yeah, in, I,
2: innovative, I... Uh, I don't really invent anything,
3: so... I don't
2: know. Well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think... That, but that's the thing. I think, um... Here's the thing. People who get labeled as innovative who... Right, are, are pushing certain boundaries of techniques or, or you ingredients. To me it's enough to be innovative if I haven't tasted something like that before or it's surprising um, su- surprising and yet surprising and yet familiar in terms of it's not outside of my uh, bounds of comfort but yet I'm still surprised like these are the kinds of things that I enjoy tasting um, kind of the most like in particular like it's dead simple but your celery sorbet is a butt kicker it's still on the menu in yeah
3: I'm not going to take it off anytime soon so. <laughs> it's
2: a delicious product right I don't think I've had it. You haven't Never? had it. You haven't had it. Never. Crazy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you know the dish you did for. Why don't you talk about the dish you did for the uh, for the museum uh, event? The uh, the Hebrew food in Italy. Uh, that was the artichoke. Yes, yeah. the um,
3: artichoke. Can you talk yes. about this Um Well, it's funny. Like uh, I actually uh, I had a chef maybe like ten years ago that wanted me to do an artichoke dessert, and I did, and it was terrible. So. I chose to do it again as, like, a challenge to myself, like, making an artichoke into some sort of sweet thing, you know, so. I, I mean, I think it came out pretty good, so.
2: Why was the last one terrible?
3: Oh, it was, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, so. I I don't remember what, I think I, like, like chopped it up and caramelized it and, like, hammered it and <laughs> put it on some ice cream. It was It was pretty gross. Really? So, yeah. But that was, you know. I've evolved
2: since then. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. I hope. I hope a little bit. All right. So listen, call in your qu- what's the, what are I the uh, got it, uh, wh- right there. Wh- Okay, 718-497-2128, 718-497-2128. Call in um, any questions you have for Brooks or for us and I can either talk more or we can go to our first break. What do you think? Jack, what do you think? Break or talk? Break or talk? Break or talk? Break. Talk. Talk. All right. So, uh, Ben, I'm going to try to pronounce his name. Schwanier. Schwanier. You like that? Yeah. Chuanier. Ben Chuanier, um says, have I ever tried one of the wonderful uh, French fry SoCal uh, burritos? It's basically like a be- breakfast burrito with a bunch of French fries jammed into it. Uh, I have not. He got one at his local Mexican spot. This is, you know, continuing our Cinco de Mayo theme. I uh, got one at his local Mexican spot and it, and it took him back. But we are burrito. We like burritos. Uh, I do. Nastasha doesn't because she hates anything she had growing up. All right. I swear to God. She doesn't like Like, limes, because they grew in her backyard. She doesn't like uh, uh, freaking, what is it you don't like? Anything that you had as a child. She's like, I ate a peanut when I was a kid, so I don't like them anymore. Right? It's crazy. So she doesn't like burritos because she grew up in L.A. and she ate them as a child. Most people on Earth like stuff that they ate as a child. She's the exact opposite. She's like, my mom's shortbread tasted like hardtack. Not that she's ever had hardtack. Right? I made her hardtack. So she now has a reference to it, but you made it? beaten biscuits are basically um. hard hardtack. Anyway, um, so uh, sorry uh, for that little tirade. So uh, I've not tried the French fry, but that would be delicious. But I am a fan of speaking of frying burritos, of the chimichanga. Do you enjoy the chimichanga? Oh a fried
3: burrito amazing
2: yeah right amazing right so i don't know if we've ever discussed this on the show but uh, we had uh, we did a pilot for uh, like what did we ever talk about this stoners. yeah for what stoners like what stoners would do and these stoners came in and it's not actually the first time i've heard this idea if you can believe that of for like burri- tape your burrito together you know tape it like some sort of tape so your burrito won't come apart this is a pilot that they never picked up the show <laughs> But I think the greatest invention maybe of my whole life was something we did for for this. It's called the semi-changa. Have we talked about this on the air before? The semi-changa? Anyway, so what this – okay, why don't you just eat the chimichanga walking around? The answer is because the top, when you eat it, will shatter and then the parts will fall all over the place, right? When you eat a burrito, the problem is the burrito like kind of slimes out and then gets crappy all over your hands. The semi-changa – Huh? Is where you make a burrito and you fry only like the bottom third to half of it to make it crispy like a chimichanga. You wrap that in the paper and now the top is still soft like a burrito, right? And then you can eat the top like an ice cream cone because it's a burrito. And then when you get down to the bottom where it's crunchy, it's not so tall so it's not going to explode and go flying all over your shirt. The semi-changa, you heard it here first. All right, now we will go to the break. We'll come back with questions for Brooks at 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. Cooking Issues.
1: service announcement from heritage radio network take a swig of beer sessions radio every tuesday at 5 p.m with jimmy Carboni, the owner of jimmy's number 43 and ray Dieter, owner of dba beer loving tours offer toasts share craft beer news and swap anecdotes about their lives on the front lines of the craft beer movement again beer sessions radio every tuesday at 5 p.m on the heritage radio network
2: Well, welcome back to Cooking Issues with Nastasha and Brooks Headley of Del Posto. Call in your questions to 718 497 2128. That's 718 497 2128. But I have a question in from, um, oh, I don't have who the question is. Can you, can you look up who it came from, unfortunately? Is it right there? Uh, Oh, uh, no, that's, that's a chef. So uh, the question... Oh, Nick Fila. Uh, hi, Dave and Nastasha. I currently go to Schoolcraft College Culinary School, and they are known here in Michigan for having quite a few master chefs. Uh, I'm assuming he's meaning certified master chefs. Does this title really mean much to most chefs or any of the other titles like certified executive chef, etc.? And I would eventually like to work in New York restaurants, but from what I hear, it's hard to get into some of the restaurants without contacts. Do you have any tips? Thanks, Nick uh, well the school where you are I believe has Brian Polson who's a very well regarded charcuterie uh, chef who also I believe happens to be a, a certified master chef uh, there aren't that many certified master chefs there's only I think like 60 or 70 certified master chefs and you have to go through a preposterous battery of tests to do it and it was famously chronicled in that uh, Ruhlman book uh, Soul of the Chef right? wasn't that about certified master chefs yeah um, and I think it, and you know uh, Brooks will come in at any minute here I think it's an amazing Amazing accomplishment to be able to pass all those tests, but I don't think it necessarily... I mean, in New York, it's more like, is your restaurant good? Where have you worked, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's it's all about, like, was your
2: last dish good? <laughs> right, yeah. right. I mean, in other words, uh, you... Well, okay, so we, we have a caller, so we'll discuss this more after, after we take the call. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, um, I was just curious, do you have any tips for, like, avoiding cracks in cheesecakes huh Brooks when you bake them Brooks do you have any tips for avoiding cracks in cheesecake ah
3: that's a tough one um it depends on a lot of things like like the temperature and obviously the uh whether it's, whether you're cooking in a water bath or there's so many different like variations the uh, in terms of like the cracks though um like in like a classic like New York cheesecake or whatever um yeah. It's, uh, no, it's, 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 it's really, it's really, it's really, it's a really, I, I have, n- I have no specific, like, tips to, like, like, tell you, like, this is absolutely going to work because it, there's so many variations up, or variables. So. Well, are
2: the cracks happening because the top, like, sets and dries out too soon and then splits as it cools or when it's, or like, what is, what's causing the cracks? It's not a big cheesecake. Do you cook it in a water bath, by the way? I. Have not cooked in a water bath. So I when I make my cheesecakes, what always happens is I get a big crack, and then I just cover it with cherries or something.
3: Mm. Yeah, actually, that's what I do too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that, that makes sense, though, that it, the heat probably cooks it too fast and it doesn't know what to do but just split. Or if it dries out a little bit on top from the oven, if it's not there's no moisture in there, I would assume it would get a little bit tougher, and then, then it might it might uh, split instead of giving. I'm not right, sure. Right, like no,
3: I mean in, in like a. And then, like, a a still oven at home, like, you don't have... I mean, you you have one setting, basically, on, you know? Right. Like, I mean, if you have, like, a... Like, obviously, we have super fancy, like, combi ovens and stuff where you can adjust everything, you know? So, like, technically, I could probably get a cheesecake that doesn't crack, but... Oh, you mean like a convection oven? Or yeah, I mean like at the restaurant we have like super fancy ovens that do all sorts of things. But the, steam the, the convection, right? Yeah, but convection. the funny thing is, is like if I was going to bake a cheesecake, I would just bake it in a still oven the same way that you would bake it at home. So
2: yeah, and uh, do it the four star way and just put some cherries on top. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> all right, But if and I if, 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 if I think of anything, I, I might see uh, McGee uh, later this week, and he thinks about those kinds of things a lot. So if I if I come up oh, with anything, yeah. then I'll, uh, I'll I'll mention it next week. Yeah, if anybody should know, it would be him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. anyway, thanks, thanks for the call. We'll, we'll try and figure out some more stuff for you. Thank all you. All Bye-bye. Right. Bye. So back to the certified master chef thing, right? I mean, I definitely have respect that someone can accomplish it, but it's not necessarily going to get them. I mean, a certified master chef is not like looking for a line job, right, On at a restaurant. Uh, no, that no. they're probably mainly working for larger institutions or teaching or.
3: Yeah, I think mostly like when I hear about people with that a title like that, they're either like, yeah, they're working for a school or they're, or they're like, the corporate chef for like a big, company or something, you know. So.
2: Right, but it it is a great achievement. So I'm not. Uh, no, no, yeah. of course, like. And as to, I would eventually like to work in New York restaurants, but from what I hear, it's hard to get into some of the restaurants without contacts. Do you have any tip? It definitely helps to have, in the high-end restaurants, it definitely helps to have some human being that will vouch for you and say that you're a good worker. And I'm going to say something, and then Brooks will tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Uh, But uh, it's a very compelling argument to uh, write a bunch of times saying I'm willing to come work for free to do whatever to be in your kitchen and then and I will work like a dog and expect nothing and I will do it for free is a fairly compelling argument.
3: No, no, it, tot- it totally works. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like if you're relentless, like, like one letter like that, maybe you look at it like, eh, whatever. But if you get like ten letters from the same person, like eventually they stop being a crazy person. I mean maybe up up until a certain point they're a crazy person, but then then you're like, Well, maybe they're just really into it and like definitely if you're relentless with it and that, it can definitely like get your foot in the door, so
2: right. But you have to be willing to do whatever, work like a dog, right? And Or just
3: or just basically show up and expect anything, you know. Like
2: right.
3: I mean like when we have trails or stages come in, like sometimes then the nature of the the day or whatever they're just rolling chocolate truffles for like 4 hours you know so and that's usually like a good gold standard or the litmus test whatever for like if if someone comes in and and like rolls truffles really fast and it's like all right what can i do next then then you're like ah oh, okay maybe this maybe this is a a good person or whatever and then sometimes people will just roll the truffles really slow and I'll be like, oh, is that your, fir- is that your third tray? And like, no, it's my first tray. And they're like, really, like, then okay. you know, like, wow, oh, yeah. what's going on here, so.
2: Yeah, but, uh, so what if they're one of those unfortunate people like me with hot hands and they're smearing all the chocolate?
3: <laughs> um, well, we, we, then we will move you into the walk-in freezer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a known thing for pastry people, hot hands. My yeah, mom- no,
3: hot hands, is, it's a, it's, it's a rough one, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, hot hands. Not much of a chocolate guy, I'd never have been. Hot hands. Nastasha is looking at me like I'm, a, like I'm a freak. This is not. I'm not making this stuff up, Nastasha. So anyway, uh, Nick, I, I hope that that uh, helps you out and uh, start making the list of places y- you want to work at and then just start piling emails on. But if you go to a culinary school, one of the main things of a culinary school is that there are people there who know chefs and I guarantee you there's someone there who knows someone who can get you vouched into a place so you might not have to write a thousand letters, but... I would be prepared to do it if you have a particular place that you want to work. There are some places, because their kitchens aren't very big, where they actually, it can be hard to get a stage even working for free, but usually if you pester them long enough, like Brooke says, you you can make it in because, of, you know, they uh, kitchen people seem to enjoy persistence.
3: Yeah, no, of course. Like, it, it, it shows that you're, like, committed to the cause, which is exactly the kind of person that you want working for you in a kitchen is someone completely entirely committed like like a soldier without
2: any question you know so what percentage of the people who come in as a stage you think burn out um I mean like people that start as a stage or or in other words like yeah people that really want to you know go the you know, high-end perfectionist fine-dining restaurant route, come in, do a stage, and then they're like, wow, this really wasn't what I thought I wanted. It wasn't what I thought. Oh, you mean, like,
3: right off the bat? Yeah. Um, um, a lot. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. Like, a lot of people would be like, I had no idea this is what it's going to be like, or, or, I mean, it usually, like, I find for, like, for, for a lot of my staff, it, it comes at the end of the night, where, you know, they think of, like, working in, like, a a fancy fine dining restaurant is like this very glamorous thing but at the end of the night like you know you're on your hands and knees like scrubbing out the low boy like and, and every and especially for dessert people like every single other person in the entire restaurant is gone so you're there basically by yourself scrubbing out the low boy and it's it might be like two in the morning and that's that i find that that's like a crack like a cracking point for people like because i look like, looking around and like they're just like what is going on?
2: They're like, this is bullcrap. <laughs> this is bullcrap. I didn't. Yeah, I, I. I thought
3: I'd be making like beautiful
2: cakes. Like, yeah, I went to college. What? Like, they, you get that a lot too, right? Someone who's like, like I worked, like, especially people who have career changers, right? They're like, they don't feel like. Do you ever have that happen? You have someone who's a career changer comes in, doesn't feel like they should have to do all that.
3: Um, every, yeah, every once in a while. I mean, I would say more in the past, like in recent times, like I think people seem to like, kind of get like working in. A fine dining restaurant is going to be pretty tough, so
2: right. I mean, but the idea is though, is that uh, I mean, everything you do down to cleaning the the, the low boy out is actually uh, a, a quality thing in the end, right? It's like keeping the the quality out. Like, there's no
3: no no, absolutely, yeah.
2: I mean, so it's it's important. That's why like it's,
3: you, yeah, it's it, like cleaning out the low boy at the end of the night is is probably more important than being able to like roll fondant to a certain thickness to make a wedding cake you know so
2: right so someone who's going to make it understands that there basically is nothing that's beneath them right i mean there's no No,
3: nothing 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 at all like yeah um yeah if if, if there's if 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 something's on the floor grab a mop and clean it up you know
2: right so uh you know i know dave chang is complains a lot about um (coughs) the people coming out of cooking school nowadays saying that they're not willing to do all that stuff anymore but you think that that's that's passing
3: Uh, i mean it really it depends i mean it depends on the person um it's a, uh, it's almost like a case by case thing. Like sometimes, sometimes you 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 get people that are like, just f- complete all stars, and like you're like, wow, where'd you come from? You came from space or something. And then uh, every once in a while, you get someone who's like really doesn't get it at all. But I would say for the most part, it's kind of like in the middle there. So,
2: and uh, another thing that people don't think about is you know you're going to a place, you're working for free, right? Which is it's kind of crazy. Not that many. You know, uh, what, what industries work that way? Right. where you're working like like a dog, getting yelled at, uh, and doing it for free, and long hours, and many days a week, right? So, okay. Um, but on the other hand, the flip side is that um, the restaurants also putting an investment in you as well because you might mess up product, you take time away from the cooks who have to explain things. Is there? Do you see that side of it too? Like, do you feel that you're actually giving them something?
3: Yeah, I mean, like when like. In the past, like, I, I, I mean, before I say, before I worked at Del Posto, I did that all the time. Like, I would, I would work for weeks for free places, or if I found a place that I I really wanted to be, I would do whatever I could to, like, just hang out there for work. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if I could, like, log all the, uh, like, free hours that I've worked in, like, the past 13 years or whatever, like, I, I could probably buy a house or something. (laughs) Wow. in New York
2: wow that's <laughs> rough any uh, any tips on uh, how to get the most out of a stage
3: um, honestly it's just uh, like you can totally tell after about an hour if someone's like gonna be an all star and like they can you just know like just the way I usually just watch their hands I think it's like a I think I heard um like Payard say that one time like like just watch people's hands like if they if they're constantly moving and constantly working like um you know that they're going to be like a good a good person to have on the team so hmm. nice
2: all right so should we take another uh, commercial break or sure. push this take a yeah. commercial break all right call in your questions to 718-497-2128 that's 718-497-2128 cooking issues He's <laughs> new one, huh? Now I like I that, that, Jack. Day. Nice, Jack. Thanks. Anyway, welcome back to Cooking Issues. You have uh, another couple of minutes to call your questions in for us or for Brooks at 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. you well, for me. You can I, ask- I just take care of issues, not cooking. Well, uh, what, is what is it? Has Nastasia
1: answered a question yet on the show?
2: Uh, I don't know. We try, but can't. she sits there texting too much so it's not... <laughs> wow. See, that's the thing. Like, Here's the problem. Like, I'm like, I'm all nice, sweet, sugar, and candy. Except to me. Not, well, that's also true. But until someone tries to call me out, like, in a public situation, and then I'm just like, oh, really? The gloves are off? <laughs> I hadn't realized that. All right. Anyway. That's kind of
1: where I'm at with Nastasia too.
2: Wow. Boom. <laughs> oh! Anyway. Uh, well, we would love a, we've, got, we, like, we've had a couple of nostalgia questions, right? So, Colin. Yeah, like, are you single?
1: What's your sign? Kind of thing.
2: <laughs> like your sign has changed, right? Aren't you on the... Didn't we talk about They're
1: this? We have the same
2: sign now. Oh, jeez. Let's so not
1: go by that. Oh, my God. All mm-hmm. right.
2: Uh, so if you have a legitimate question that's not asking Nastasia for a date or about... I mean, you can ask her why she hates everything that she ate growing up or why she has such a conflicted relationship with uh, you know, the foods of Los Angeles. <laughs> you say her mother... you said that not me not me anyway uh, you're welcome to call in for a question for her um so, Naveen Sinha uh, wrote in, and he's uh, one of the TA's. He might be the lead TA's. I don't know. I think he's the lead. Uh, of the uh, Harvard class that uh, Farhan did last year, Farhan Adria. And uh, I'm going um, to assist McGee, actually, on the first lecture of the new year coming up in September, which should be fun. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do there, but something maybe, you know, blow, blow, blow everyone up. Everyone thinks I'm going to go to places and blow everyone up, but I've never blown up another person. You know what I mean? I've never blown up someone other than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so Naveen writes in and says, Hi Dave, I'm fascinated by chocolate, especially the transformation from the bitter seeds of the cacao tree uh, to a tasty chocolate bar. That is a, a, a very interesting transformation. Are there any other foods that undergo a similar set of steps, fermentation, roasting, grinding? Also, do you know of any other tropical fruit seeds that could become delicious through such a process? Thanks, Naveen. That's an interesting question. I mean, obviously coffee, right? Coffee goes through uh, you know a similar uh, similar set of procedures. Uh, quite literally, uh, fermentation, drying, roasting, grinding, uh, brewing. Um, and uh, vanilla goes through picking uh, fermentation, right? It's dipped in, usually in boiling water, uh, and then wilted and then fermented. So it's similar. And then I guess it can be ground to form a paste. But vanilla doesn't taste like vanilla until it goes through its, its, uh, its paces um, to be fermented. In fact, the vanilla that's uncured is called red vanilla. You can get it. Uh, it's interesting, but it's not. It doesn't taste like uh, vanilla. Uh, I don't know offhand, although I'd, I'm going to do some research because we're going to do a tropical fruit tasting in July, so we, we could do some do some tests. But I don't know of any other tropical fruit seeds other than those that go through these kinds of processes. Any? Have you ever heard of anything that? Go, what else goes through that kind of? No, no I mean like uh, that. Yeah, fr- tea, tea leaves, right? Yeah, tea I mean, leaves like, go through a fermentation process like that.
3: I mean, there's olives, but that's not fully right. like the same kind of process but, right, but still specific. have to be like processed to make them edible so
2: right me I mean yeah I mean is that the thing is, is, is it just a, yeah is it things that need to be processed to make edible there are a lot of things like that right but I'd have to think more about it it's an interesting question I like the whole... Like, I'm fascinated by uh, how we figured out that, for instance, ackee fruit will kill you if you eat it unless the pods open up all the way and the fruit's ripe. Some dude must... Ackee fruit is, you know, the, like kind of the is national fruit of Jamaica. Aki, how would you say it?
3: Is that the A-Q-C-A? No.
2: A-c- A-C-K-E-E. Aki and saltfish is like the classic. But you can only buy canned ackee here in New York. As far as I know, I've never seen fresh ackee. And... Um, But if you eat it uh, and it hasn't opened up, it's poisonous. But if you – and you shouldn't eat it at all apparently if you're pregnant. Uh, But uh, ackee and saltfish is one of the Jamaican national dishes. So some dude ate like probably a whole tree's worth of ripe ackee, right? And was like, this stuff is good. You know what I mean? And then like his buddy picked it too early and died. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know. Don't do that, um, so anyway, I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff, Naveen, so we will look uh more uh into different things like this, and people call and write in with your with your various various you know fermentation and deadly poison things all right, so uh, I think being posted this week on eater is going to be our our burger extravaganza. is that true Nastasha mm-hmm. yeah I think today today, so um so basically, Eater's doing like a whole – they have some sort of like burger festival week, some crap. I don't know. what. Not cra- It's not crap. You know what I mean? Some burger festival. I th- everything's crap. I say crap a lot. Anyway. Uh, and so they wanted some sort of fantabulous fancy burger, but it turns out that the burgers that I typically like to make aren't that fancy. My favorite – one of my favorite burgers is patty melt. I think patty melt is delicious burger. Patty melt, for those of you not hip to patty melts, patty melt is rye bread. Uh, it's uh, got to be a rye bread, right? Yeah, a rye bread. If it's not rye bread, it's like a something else melt, right? Right. It's like a
3: grilled cheese with a burger slid inside.
2: Right. I mean, it might be delicious, but it's not a patty melt, Right. Right, anyway. uh, caramelized onions, Swiss cheese, and the whole thing. You cook the burger, and then you put it in, and you cook it like a grilled cheese sandwich with the onions, so the bread gets toasted with you know mashed with butter. Fantastic! I like mine with ketchup, delicious. So, so I did a slightly high tech version of a patty melt where it was all pretty much traditional, except I cooked the burger low temperature in a Ziploc bag in butter and made the burger thicker than it normally was. And I I grilled it like a grilled cheese sandwich with the onions and then separated it and put the burger in between so the burger didn't actually get smashed, but the bread did. I thought it was good. I thought it was delicious. But Eater came back and they're like, listen, we wanted something wacky. We went to you not for something that just tastes good. We want something that's wacky. So then they had to go reshoot something that was wackier. Is this true or false? Yeah. True, yeah. So I was like, all right. Well, I wanted to keep some of the patty melt uh, stuff. So I-, I was like, okay, we're still going to use the rye bread. We're still going to do grilled cheese. But uh, I'm going to add uh, meat-glued bacon sheets, right? So we, you know, we made the, the sheets uh, out of bacon, laminated with meat glue, vacuum it down. Uh, and then we cut everything into rings so that it all looked perfect because we figured that was fancier and wackier. So the, the rye bread was cut into a ring. We then took Conte, which is like gruyere, and uh, cut it into a ring. And then the bacon sheets – cut into a ring and then so that was the basis of the grilled cheese sandwich we didn't put the caramelized onions on at this time so it was bacon all made like a grilled cheese sandwich the burger we also took pickle sheets and turned them like you would Japanese style with like an usuba Grace did our intern Grace did that and they cut that into a ring so that you had a ring shaped pickle that was the size of the burger which was nice and then for the burger, to make it all fantabulously fancy-dancy, we reduced veal stock down until it was really thick and beefy and the gelatin was really, you know, very strong, added ketchup to it, added calcium lactate gluconate, right, set it into a sheet. Uh, cut the sheets into uh, rings and then threw those into alginate. So that formed a layer around the gelatin. So now we have like a little hockey puck of uh, of uh, beef ketchup gelatin with a layer of alginate around. We chose alginate because it's a little bit tough. It's going to withstand this kind of rough handling and it's also uh, heat proof. So then we built a burger around that uh, around that sheet of uh, of uh, that like gilet and then low temp fried it set it, low temp cook that in butter, and then roasted it over charcoal to get a nice charcoal outside. Put that in between. And when you cut the burger, it's like a soup dumpling. It explodes ketchup and and (laughs) veal stock all over the plate. And uh, the, we did one without – when you do it with a bun, it like sprays out a little bit. Kind of like when you take a cherry tomato and you bite it and like if you don't close your mouth when you do it, you spray your buddy. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, yeah. uh, kind of like that. But when we did it by itself, it was kind of like almost obscene. We we just cut a burger and it was like – it like shot up like a fountain like the like the, like the burger couldn't hold it in. I'll put it that way. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the, the – I don't know what they're going to use from that. I don't know what they're going to use from that. Um yeah, anyway. But it's actually going to be online today? I, well, supposedly. Like,
3: like a photo, is there a photo of it, of it, of it exploding?
2: I, there's a video, so there might oh, be. Okay. I mean, I would actually prefer, like, I, I'm a firm believer. And by the way, as it goes back to when I was doing art for, uh, you know, trying to do art for a living. And we're in a uh, cooking issues in an art show now. I'm in an art show at Columbia. I just put a post up today on the blog. So, you can go look at the post on the blog and see what we put into the art show, including something about our, our, our uh, you know, someone we met in California, Roy Fong, who owns the uh, Imperial Tea Court and does a lot of really interesting stuff with tea, including he's, gonna, he's growing his own tea on a tea farm in California, which I think is really cool and uh, unprecedented. Anyway, so. Uh, uh, where are this going? Yeah, supposedly there's going to be a video. But when I was doing art, sometimes a good still photo is better than a video. Like if you just had like a sick still photo of the burger with the stuff shooting out of the top of it and you caught it like just as it was like in midair, like somehow that's more badass than the video of it happening. Because it's very hard. I mean these guys are good, so I'm sure it's good. But like for me, it was very hard to get videos that were as compelling as a good still shot. Like I always preferred the one good still shot, like take the video and then choose the one awesome still from it, and put that up i don 't know it's like it seems to me because then your mind fills in the rest of everything you don't need you don 't need the actual whole whole video a lot of the times but this This is my theory as it when I was doing uh, performance art anyway. So what else did we do last week, Nastasha? Did we go to Martha last week?
0: Yeah, why don't you talk
2: about that? Why don't you talk about no, it? Because apparently know you, don't, you, know, you're, you, can't, you can't be bothered not to lean back in your chair and with the gangster lean. nastasha has got a serious gangster lean going on in the, no, in the studio. Talk about it, dude. All right, so uh, Martha Stewart wanted a centrifuge. We bought her the damn centrifuge, and I fixed it, and then uh, it was a nice one. I paid, I think, like, I don't know, 300 bucks or something like that, which was her limit. Uh, on eBay, yes, sh- yes, she only wanted to pay $300 for the centrifuge, which is like, you know, I've paid more for dinner, and she, that's what she wanted. Anyway, whatever. So we bring it to her uh, studio, and she wants to learn about it. And the one we bring, when we show up, Sucker literally breaks. And I was like, you know, this happens with stuff that you get off of eBay. Like, even though I fixed one problem, there was another problem in the machine, and it turned out that it's, an, it's, a, $900, it's a $900 problem to fix. So I was like, "Oh man, crap!" So we ended up taking. Well, what does Nastasha describe the, the situation? We were both. We, she was not pleased. Wow, that's that's all. You're gonna, <laughs> that's It's all Nastasha's going to say. She was not pleased. Wow. All right. Yeah. And so basically, I gave the her the
1: hardest part. Is that you're like singing and laughing to yourself and talking to yourself.
2: What am I, I what, standing what, there like? What am I supposed to do? Sit there and look depressed because the machine is broken, Brooks? But. I'm, am I supposed to look depressed? Tell me that. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to? I don't have a hair shirt with me that I can put on.
0: What's a hair shirt? You know, it's What's really, a hair
2: shirt. Yeah. I mean, What's a hair? She's shirt? This is a woman who's not used to punishing herself. That's mm. why she has not You know, that's why she has you not know, You know, Catholic too. doesn't know what hair. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, you know, I, I didn't have something to beat myself with. I didn't bring like you know the 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 you know the little small whip to like whip my back and apologize that. The three hundred dollars centrifuge that we had spent hours fixing she broke again. To take
3: the check away.
2: She you did not. Thre- she did. She did not. She
3: said, "I'm going to need to get my money back, Dave." Do you remember that?
2: No, you made that up. I swear on my. I life. did not hear that. Yeah. I didn't. hear singing. Well, thank God. Anyway, so uh, I gave her a different centrifuge, and so hopefully she's happy with it because she has it now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything. So ho- hopefully she's happy with it, but now I'm stuck. We have. What's, ha- what's uh? What, what, what? What was she going to do with it? What's, what's her plans for I, it? I don't know. They thought she was going to make baby food. Because she just had a baby. But She, she did like, not have a baby. First of all, like, I don't know how much this is privileged. We're here talking about it. Like Martha listens. <laughs> Martha, if you're listening, I'm sorry. This has been Cooking Issues.